1: We're gonna
2: set the direction for the country. To
3: Davenport, to right here in Waterloo. You're never gonna have an opportunity to have your votes count, pack such a punch.
4: After months of campaigning and glad-handing, on Monday, it's all in the hands of the voters.
3: Everybody, make sure you get out and vote.
0: We can actually get the candidate that the people wanted.
4: Who will Iowa push forward? And who will Iowa send packing? Tonight, the much-awaited final poll from the storied and celebrated Des Moines Register. Will there be a surprise upset? Steve Kornacki is at the big board. Or weather wildcard? Our reporters are in a cold and getting colder Iowa. This is How to Win 2024. Good to be with you. I'm Katie Turk. Could we be at the beginning of the end of the GOP race for president? Or will a power greater than politics intervene? The Des Moines Register just released its final poll before Monday's caucus. And while Donald Trump holds a historic lead, there is some slippage in his support, something he probably wanted to address in person today. But could not, as a blizzard, forced him to cancel both of his rallies. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce politics to Bomb Cyclone. This is what it looks like in Iowa. And this is what it feels like in Iowa. That is, unless you're hit by a gust. The National Weather Service says wind chills are expected to fall between negative 35 and negative 45 degrees through Tuesday. So cold, it can only take 10 minutes to get frostbite. So cold, it could chill even the hottest of passions. With the caucus on Monday night, these historically bad temperatures threaten everyone in the race. So whose voters will be die hard enough to go out? Nikki Haley's team is seeing a boost in the polls. Does enthusiasm for her match it? Will Ron DeSantis' $30 in ground game and organization pay off? The assumption is always that Trump has the most ardent supporters. But if they also assume that Trump has it in the bag, will some decide to stay home? We have real insight on these questions with real numbers from the gold standard in campaign polling, the person who always gets it right. So let's get right to her. Joining us now is the pollster behind what's considered, again, the gold standard in polling in Iowa, president and founder of Seltzer and Company, J. Ann Seltzer. and it's good to have you. Um, Top line numbers, Donald Trump still leads by a historic margin. Explain that and explain the slippage that you're seeing.
5: Well, his number is surely one to be proud of. He gets 48 percent of the first choice votes, Um, but that's down from our December poll, which had him at 51%. And really, that's, it's only a few percentage points, but there's symbolic value there. He was above 50%. And that's hard for anybody to catch. He's now showing, showing some slippage, some shrinkage as you say. And that's um, that may take some somewhat of a psychological toll on his campaign. Well,
4: let me ask you about the weather, because the weather really is the the more powerful force here. And it's going to affect every single candidate who is at risk mostly from the weather.
5: Well, all of us. Um, I've been at home, snowed in at home for two days and, and therefore I'm at risk, if I must say. I think you have to look at the enthusiasm factor. And while um Nikki Haley has moved into second place, and it's the first time that she's held that on her own. Um, There's underlying weakness in terms of enthusiasm for her, that half of her supporters consider themselves only mildly enthusiastic or not that enthusiastic. And that's, again, that's going to hit her campaign in the emotional heart, which is that she's got second place. And she can claim it on her own, but there's weakness in terms of whether her supporters are going to have enough enthusiasm, enough gusto, uh, enough bravado, uh, to go out into the cold and make a stand for her.
4: Why does that matter in a caucus so much? The the enthusiasm for a you know a second place, second choice?
5: Well, in in this case, the 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 business of second choices between Haley and DeSantis, and they're close. They're within a few percentage points of each other. So if DeSantis is saying he's got more than half of his supporters describing themselves as extremely or very enthusiastic, Haley has, That's not half that, but it's close to just half that. Again, it, it, it perhaps is foretelling of an inability to um, realize the potential that our poll is picking up.
4: Um, Democrats, independents like Haley, this is an interesting case because there's no Democratic caucus going on right now. So Democrats are free to walk in, register as a Republican and caucus. Are you seeing any movement among Democrats in the state to potentially be a spoiler for someone like Donald
5: Trump? Well, I think that that is the idea is there. The data don't prove out that that's going to be much of a spoiler. His position is so commanding. But it is interesting that that Nikki Haley's supporters draw from the people who are currently registered independent or currently registered as Democrat. And that's a sizable portion of who she's up to. She also, the, some of those people would not have caucused with the GOP before. So it's also there's an intimidation factor. How's, how are they going to feel about it? It's just it's just iffy questions about whether uh, her supporters will get out and deliver for her.
4: What is driving this intense loyalty we see for Donald Trump? What specifically in Iowa? Can you point to any one thing?
5: No, I think it's a hundred things. I think you talk to Trump supporters and they'll read you a litany of ways in which they are loyal to him. If you listen to them, they believe in his mission. That his idea of what a president should do, they align very strongly behind. They also share with him the, the concept that he's been, um, targeted and that he's being unfairly prosecuted, persecuted, and, th- and that only makes them stronger. We have poll findings from December that the things that he says, which people think are sometimes, um, just scary in terms of talking about vermin and about poisoning the blood. Those things make a substantial portion of GOP caucus goers more likely to support him. And that's a concept, I think, outside of Trump circles, people have a hard time understanding, but it's very much a part of who he is, his identity, and why people stick with him so strongly. Is this
4: personality or is it policy? Is it just because Donald Trump is saying it or is it the
5: policy behind it? If you ask his supporters, they can't separate the two. I will say they're part of there's part of them that that he runs his mouth in a way that they don't care for. Um, but they will say that what he did as president, no one has ever done better. And that's why they need that back again.
4: um, one other question. Have you ever seen anything like this in terms of the lead that Donald Trump currently has in any of the years that you've been doing polling? For caucusing not, in Iowa. Yeah,
5: not this close to actual caucus night. So if, he, if and if he had stayed at the 51 percent mark, I don't think we would have seen anything even farther back than that. It's just a he's got more than a two to one lead over his nearest competitor. It's very, very strong. Couple it with strong enthusiasm. It's it's a commanding position.
4: Ann Seltzer, Ann, thank you very much. And joining us now is NBC News National Political Correspondent Steve Kornacki. So we got the broad overview there, Steve, of the polling. Break us the numbers down specifically. Show us what you're seeing um, in this poll.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing. I think what everybody just saw. We could just you know take you through the numbers. Trump obviously with the big lead here. Nikki Haley in second um, at 20. percent. You know, not much of a change from the last poll. Um, Trump here leading with evangelicals, obviously a very important part of the electorate um, in Iowa. Trump lost by double digits with them back in 2016. Now he has an overwhelming advantage. DeSantis has you know has gone after this group uh, considerably. Haley has you know as you were talking about there, she's got. Uh, support now with independence. She was at 23 in our last poll. She's up to 33 here. Um, but the bad news for Haley, again, talking about this uh, from your conversation there. Um, you know, the favorable, unfavorable numbers here for Haley have changed, you know, a lot from our last poll. You can just show you that 48-46. Um, you know, look at this. In the last poll, it was 59-31. She's down 11 in favorable. She's up 15 and unfavorable. Um, you know, something that might have to do with that. You just look at her supporters. You know, more than three quarters of them have a negative view uh, of Donald Trump. We've seen this with, uh, you know, Chris Christie, with Mike Pence. The more you get identified with anti-Trump voters, um, I think the more that pro-Trump Republican voters perhaps um, you know, start to turn on you, and I and again, you, folks, just saw this, but um, it's that question of the weather, it's that question of enthusiasm, and you know, Trump, um, Trump's voters very enthusiastic. Obviously, DeSantis is still enthusiastic, and that's that question. If Haley's in second place, and her voters in this poll, at least, are not nearly as enthusiastic as the others, if you know, a lot of theories on how the weather is going to play out. But if enthusiasm goes into it, that might be a bad sign for Haley.
4: Steve, I know you've been looking at numbers across the board um, for, uh, you know, God, going on a year now as we've been analyzing what's going to happen in this race. And now we're finally on the heels of it. Um, what can you tell us about what this could mean for going forward? What a, a strong second place finish for either Haley or DeSantis could mean in, in the upcoming states?
3: Haley's the one who, you know, if you look toward the next state, New Hampshire, uh, in the polls, she's had the, the best position there by far against Donald Trump. So I think obviously she's hoping a second place finish here would get, she's hoping for anything that comes out of Iowa that is a signal of momentum that tells New Hampshire voters, you know, who have been moving towards her at, at least, you know, until the last few days. We've seen some polls there that have her within, there's one that has her within 10 points of Trump. Others, you know, it's a lot closer in New Hampshire than Iowa. So she's looking for something Something that tells New Hampshire voters, "Hey, you know, this is for real here. Think about it." And, and again, if you, you look at the independent voters, if I could go back—well, I can't get back to it—but I just showed you the independent voters. There, you know, she's at 33% in Iowa. She's climbed dramatically. You know, independent voters could be 45%. There's a, there's a scenario where independent voters are close to half of the electorate in New Hampshire. They're only going to be about 20% here in Iowa. So, if that's Haley's core vote. You know, with the way the electorate works in Iowa, it's hard to see a winning formula there in Iowa. But could that be a winning formula in New Hampshire? Uh, Just given the nature of the state, it could be. And if she were able to do that, if she were able to get a decent showing in Iowa, win New Hampshire, it would set the stage for a high stakes battle between her and Donald Trump. Where? In South Carolina. Where she was
4: governor, but where Donald Trump is also extremely popular. Steve, as we head into this election year, are there any indicators from this poll or any poll that you can say are pointing you in a direction for what we might anticipate for the general election? What kind of enthusiasm there's going to be among voters? I know there's not a lot of enthusiasm for either one of these candidates, generally speaking, Donald Trump or or Joe Biden. But is there anything in the numbers that you're seeing so far that, that you're going to be paying close attention to? come July and August.
3: Yeah, obviously pending. We'll see who the Republican nominee is. I mean, we've we've got these polls now. And I think, again, you see it a little bit in here with Haley doing well with independents, doing well with there there are some self-identified Democrats who are going to be voting here uh, in these Iowa caucuses. It's probably not a surprise when you do trial heats of Haley versus Biden. She does better in the general election right now than Donald Trump does. Although, again, I I call back to a very distant uh, Republican primary here. But back in 2000, the last candidate To have numbers anything like Donald Trump's on the eve of the Iowa caucuses, Republican caucuses, was George W. Bush in 2000. Trump just broke his record for the highest share in the final poll and the biggest lead in the final poll. And George W. Bush was running worse than his main challenger, John McCain, against Al Gore. But what Bush turned that race into, Bush versus McCain in 2000, he turned it into a loyalty test for Republican voters in states like South Carolina. He said, hey, my opponent is popular with the Democrats, with the independents, with the media. Uh, mischievous members of the other party who are powering my opponent. Vote for me, the the loyal Republican. You wonder when you see this Haley support among independents and Democrats and even in the general election, if this keeps going, Haley versus Trump, if she makes a stand in New Hampshire, does Trump make it a similar loyalty test there? And we see Trump is still extremely popular with most Republican voters.
4: Steve Kornacki, Steve, thank you very much. And coming up, would you go out in this... The last time it was this cold in Iowa for the caucus was never what candidates are doing to round up enough support on Monday. Plus, what's next after Monday night? It could be a two person race. If it is, can that person really beat Trump in a one on one? We'll be right back.
6: Today's news requires more facts, more context, and more analysis. The world's never been harder to understand. That's why it's never been more important to try. MSNBC. Understand more.
7: They're saying the Trump voter has so much more spirit, dedication. They say they'll walk over it less. That the Trump voter's coming to vote. Yes. Their voters are necessary.
1: This is Go Time. All eyes are on Iowa, and you get it. You know the responsibility that
3: comes with being first. Are you ready to make some history on Monday night? We are going to fight because we are going to turn this country around. the
4: final hours, it is down to the final pitches, or in some cases, the final flattery. But when a bomb cyclone hits, those final pitches can get blown out, in this case, literally. So what are the candidates doing in these last moments to make sure Iowans give them a chance in New Hampshire and beyond? Joining us is NBC News correspondents Vaughn Hilliard, Ali Vitale, and Maura Barrett. Vaughn, I'm going to start with you. Donald Trump had two canceled events today. Is the campaign concerned?
2: I can tell you that Donald Trump is now here after spending not only a couple of days in the courtroom here this week and down at Mar-a-Lago, he is officially in Des Moines here in Iowa for the next 48 hours. In terms of whether the campaign is concerned or not, I was talking to a senior advisor just this afternoon, who says that they believe that they have built an operation, this go-around, that will ensure that they are able to activate their supporters around the state, not only offering rides to folks who need it, we're talking about wind chills at negative 35 degrees come 7 p.m. on Monday night, but also this is a moment where they have activated 1,800 precinct captains around the state who are in charge of turning out each of those 1,800 individuals turning out 10 new caucus goers. I was talking to one of those precinct captains here this afternoon about whether he has confirmations from his 10 individuals. And he said he actually upped his number to 20 because he lacked confidence that necessarily with the weather that each of his 10 would show up. So he jumped up to putting 20 on his list. But this is a moment where you see in the data there, Katie, you're talking about 49% of his supporters here in the state of Iowa say they're extremely enthusiastic about their supporter of him. Compare that to just 9% for Nikki Haley. And I can tell you last week at, in Sioux Center, a rural community in the northwestern part of the state, Katie, Uh, It was about 20 degrees uh, ahead of an afternoon rally outside, and there were several hundred folks that were waiting for hours for him. So this is a place that has proven over the course of the last eight years they're willing to show up for him. But the biggest test will be this upcoming Monday night. Katie. All
4: right. So, Allie, let's talk about Nikki Haley. What does she need from Iowa to give her a boost going into New Hampshire where she feels decently strong?
0: Look, the best case scenario for Nikki Haley is a strong second place finish because she recognizes that in order to make it an actual one-on-one race with Donald Trump, she has to first get Ron DeSantis out of the way. And so my understanding of the Haley campaign ethos is here in Iowa, our new poll is good news. In fact, they're responding to it just in the last few minutes, saying in part that this poll shows the Haley momentum continues to grow. They add, though, they take nothing for granted. And they note the fact that cold weather does make it difficult. But But in my conversations with the campaign, they trust their turnout operation, they trust the loyalty of their voters here, and they trust that it's going to allow them to finish strong in a second-place position. They know that this is Donald Trump's state to lose, and it's why we're watching Nikki Haley focus so heavily on Ron DeSantis, in large part because she knows— Finishing second here provides her the springboard that she needs to get into New Hampshire and continue that upward trajectory. Her campaign would urge us to look at the course of the last few months where someone like DeSantis went all in from a resource and money perspective on building out what would look like a traditional grassroots operation here. Haley doing it on less of a budget and less of a, and more of a shoestring effort, but they're targeting a lot of those suburban areas outside Des Moines, outside of Cedar Rapids, and certainly outside of Davenport where I am. That's where they're hoping to make their inroads and make it a clear case as they go into New Hampshire.
4: So, Maura, we saw the numbers just now from the Des Moines Register puts DeSantis in third place, although his enthusiasm is better than Nikki Haley. So we'll see how that plays in the caucus. Again, a caucus is really all about enthusiasm and and second choices. But let me ask you about what he does after this. He spent $30 million between his campaign and, and his supporting super PACs and allies in Iowa. He's visited all 99 counties doesn't have all that much of a presence beyond Iowa. What does he do if he doesn't come in at the very least a strong second?
8: Well, and that's exactly what the campaign is hoping for. He's done the full Grassley. He has an incredibly strong ground game in Iowa, like you said, thanks to that super PAC never back down. But in terms of what the campaign's expectations for, for what they're hoping will look like a strong second place finish, it might not match up with reality here because looking at that this poll, our new poll, this is the first time that he's dropped from second place to third. Granted, it's within the margin of error just behind Nikki Haley. But again, this race is about that second place. And so that significant. But doing well in Iowa and gaining that momentum to go past Iowa, even if you don't have a good ground game in the other states, is all about organization. And the campaign is very confident that they have that. Never back down, uh, saying that they've knocked on nearly a million doors here in Iowa, three million in total across New Hampshire and South Carolina as well. And so that's something that they're hoping to hinge on going forward. Uh, the campaign also really riding on the endorsements from Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, as well as the religious conservative leaders here, Bob Vander Plaats, and and uh, that's something that they're hoping will re- be reflected in other states as well. But I think, like you mentioned, they're really ho- honing in on the fact that Nikki Haley is their true competitor in terms of needing to be in second place. And that's why we've learned the campaign is actually sending Ron DeSantis to South Carolina immediately after the Iowa caucus before he goes to New Hampshire to finish out that primary. Katie? It
4: is symbolic. President Biden, who was a campaign candidate at the time, went from Iowa to South Carolina. We all know how that turned out well for him. Um, Maura Alley and Vaughn, thank you very much. And joining us now, the Des Moines Register's chief politics reporter, Brianne Fonin-Steele. Brianne is also an MSNBC political contributor. So, Brianne, um, you are an Iowan. You live and breathe Iowa. You know cold weather. You've got some strong blood out there. Is this, though, a, a step above or a step below, I should say, with negative 35 to negative 45 degree temperatures? And how do you anticipate that's going to affect the caucus on Monday?
9: Well, that's exactly right. Iowans are used to cold weather, but this, this is something different. You know, when when the, the Weather Service puts out a warning that these are life-threateningly cold temperatures, people need to pay attention, even Iowans. You know, as someone who spent a couple hours digging out her driveway this weekend, um, you know, there is a big hurdle for people to get out of their homes, to get on the roads, and to get uh, to these caucus locations. And particularly if you're in rural parts of the state, you might have farther to drive You might have gravel roads that you're contending with. There are some real hurdles for people with the snow and with these incredibly cold temperatures. Um, When you look at enthusiasm,
4: and obviously that's going to be a big difference maker in the caucus. uh, Donald Trump has a ton of enthusiasm, but it's also about ground game and just getting people uh, to the caucus sites. Ron DeSantis has made a big effort in his ground game in Iowa. Do you see that potentially being a difference maker here?
9: Yeah, we talk a lot about organization in the Iowa caucuses. And what that means is that a campaign that's well organized might be able to organize people who have four wheel drive vehicles to go out and find the elderly people within their caucus precincts who would caucus otherwise if they had a reliable ride. And that kind of organization can close a gap like we're seeing here between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. It can't necessarily close the kind of gap that we see between uh, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, that nearly 30 point gap, but it can move the needle for candidates um, here here a little bit, a couple of points either way. And so on this particular caucus, when organization is really going to matter, we're going to look back and we're going to see Ron DeSantis really investing early in this state. He has an enormous ground operation that's been in effect since very early this year. Nikki Haley was much slower to get that up and moving. And is that going to come into play for her on
4: Monday? Brianne Fawn and Steele, Brianne, thank you very much and good luck out there. I hope you stay safe um, as you report in the next few days and as you uh, report on Monday night. Thank you. And still ahead, Donald Trump lost Iowa in 2016 and went on to dominate New Hampshire days later. What happens if someone not named Trump does the same? We're going to ask the insiders who have been there before.
10: Donald Trump already, like, did it all. He knows how to do it. He's experienced, so probably just leaning towards him.
9: I am still undecided, but I do believe I'm leaning towards Trump. I was really stunned
1: that he did what he said he could.
2: Looking around, everybody seems like they're all for Trump. Like, a lot of my friends would say that they're Trump supporters.
1: Those are voters in
4: Sioux City who say they are all in for Trump. But what about the former Trump voters who don't feel so comfortable anymore? Are there enough of them to give a challenger a chance, especially if that challenger proves they can defy even the most modest expectations? Joining us now, former White House communications director and MSNBC political analyst and co-host of MSNBC's How to Win 2024 podcast, Jennifer Palmieri, and former Ohio governor and MSNBC political analyst, John Kasich. John, you have run in yes. Iowa before, even though you skipped Iowa. Tell me, how much does Iowa matter?
7: <laughs> well, I think it matters in this way, uh, if Haley can come into second place and build that momentum, then she can carry that momentum into New Hampshire. And New Hampshire is a place where, you know, upsets can happen. Um, she's within striking distance there, according to the latest polls. If she does not finish in second place and has that momentum uh, running into New Hampshire, it's a real problem for her. So I know that the polls are indicating she's slightly in second place now. But, the, you know, as you heard from your other guests this is a situation of intensity, and the ground game that DeSantis uh, has been trying to put on. We'll see if that can make up that uh, little bit of a spread that we have. And you know, with <laughs> there it is the the weather. Who knows who's going to be motivated? Uh, I think you know the Trump voters are going to get out. A lot of his voters in rural Iowa, so that's a question as to whether that will keep him down to a degree, but the Haley voters are probably people who've come on lately. The question is, did the did the ground game for DeSantis really make a difference in keeping him in second place and keeping him alive?
4: I wonder if you're, you're talking about rural voters, if there is enough snow, there's enough driving wind, whiteout conditions, whether you can even get on the road, whether it's even possible to get to the caucus locations on Monday, that might be a factor. Um, Jen, though, another factor, though, is just the way you, you campaign against Donald Trump. How do you break if you were DeSantis or Haley moving forward? How do you break
1: the Trump fever? That's, uh, that's, I think we're in we're, we are into an interesting couple of weeks and kind of a, a trying eight weeks for Trump. Right. So we have on this starts on Monday night and then he has a series of contests electoral Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, but then also a lot of court battles, right He has the Supreme Court is going to hear the case on Colorado the, his, 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 his plea his deal to try to have immunity it, it, that that will get resolved. We'll know whether or not the Jan 6 hearing is uh, trial will start on March 4th, the day before Super Tuesday. So you know I, I'm thinking about this in in, for, in terms of Haley and DeSantis, if they can break, if, if she can come in second in Iowa, beat him in New Hampshire, which I think I think she's like twelve points down now, and you know how you know how fast New Hampshire can move, I think that's plausible. I don't think it means that. Trump does not end up as a nominee. I think he does, but it can put him in a situ- in a vulnerable situation. And if she is making really emphatic arguments against him, the kind of arguments we saw Chris Christie make in Iowa. I don't know that. And in, in you have a solid few weeks of that in 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 New Hampshire, in South Carolina, in Nevada, pl- along alongside possible court losses that Trump is experiencing. Right. That's all running alongside of it. He could seem vulnerable in a way that he doesn't today. You know, right now, I would think that's so smart that he's been focusing, that his, his, his communications centerpiece for his campaign are the courthouse appearances. If he doesn't, if he loses in New Hampshire, he looks inattentive in the primary. It looks like his, it looks like focusing on himself, focusing on these trials, isn't working then I think he he can become more vulnerable. It seems very difficult for anyone other than him to become the nominee. But I'm thinking about the general. Like, what are those voters in New Hampshire who are voting for Nikki Haley? What are they going to do in the general? A lot of them will go to Trump, but not all of them. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Biden is doing really well in New Hampshire right now against Trump, pulling way ahead of him, much more so than other battleground states. Well, what has that statement getting? They've been getting a lot of anti-Trump messages for the last few months. And so I'm looking at this about what kind of shape does Trump end up at um, you know, particularly after the next couple of months when we get through Super Tuesday on March 5th.
4: Yeah, I wonder how these next few weeks shape not just the primary, but as you said, shape the general election. I don't think it's a given that mm. all voters or even all likely voters are paying attention to these court cases and know exactly what's going on with Donald Trump. But as politics becomes more in your face during this election year, I think certainly it could be a much bigger factor. John, when you're when you're looking at the next few weeks and say you're you're Ron DeSantis and you don't come in second or you don't come in a strong second in Iowa, what do you do next? I mean, he's going to South Carolina next. He's not even going to New Hampshire. Well, he's going to New Hampshire later in the day, but first he's going to South Carolina.
7: Yeah, I I mean, I think if he does not do well in Iowa, he's he really then is on life support. Um, You know, it's kind of hard to say when somebody decides they've had enough. Uh, If he feels as though staying in would perhaps somehow get him to the convention and maybe they pick somebody other than Trump. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, the challenge now that what we have to keep our eyes on is what Haley does. And uh, the challenge Haley's going to have is. uh, she has to hope she does very well in New Hampshire, because in South Carolina right now, Trump is way ahead. Would the people in South Carolina sort of give her a second chance? Because right now she's not doing that well there. Her big other big challenge is going to be Super Tuesday, all these places where she has to be at once. But I think Jennifer hits on it, which is, and, and I've been saying it all along, it's, it's kind of momentum. Can the momentum get people to take a look and say, you know, I've kind of had it with these all these trials, all this trouble. Can we just move on? But, uh, you know, Trump's got that part of that base that doesn't seem to waver or shake. So that's why it's so difficult to beat him in the fall. Um, look, I mean, I think the economy is going to be a big issue. Big article today where people are look at the cost of groceries. I mean, the economists say that inflation is down. People go to the store. The cost of groceries are up. That's a real problem for Biden. But the, the challenge, the, the good thing for Biden, though, is people normally don't turn around and say I made a mistake and then turn and vote for Trump. But we got a long way to go. we got to get through the primaries first before we think about that. Yeah,
4: I keep asking who is the voter that didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2020 that votes for him in 2024? I have not identified. Yeah. I haven't identified that voter yet. I haven't met a single person
1: <laughs> um, who said it. But, yeah. I met one. No, tell I did. Me, tell me I, about have, that I have met some, actually. Yeah, I met a, a truck driver in uh, Iowa and Des Moines, actually. Yeah. Uh, a diner parking lot, Katie, that I'm sure, you know, uh, by Drake <laughs> University. Uh, I do know that diner. I know specifically that for, diner. You know that diner. <laughs> of course. He probably, you've probably done your show from that diner. Um, <laughs> he voted for uh, Trump. He voted for Biden in 20. He told me he's going to vote for uh, Trump in, um, in 24 because of gas prices. And I watched a focus group of black women voters in Detroit. And there was one black woman who said, you know, look, he's a racist. Uh, but the economy was doing great. My 401k was doing great. The guy like knows what he's doing. And so it was, it was really shocking. It was jarring for me to, to hear, um, to hear voters say that. But I think, you know, that is, that's why you see, um, you know, we haven't talked about Biden at all, but Biden. In the last, just in the last nine days has been doing a lot of campaigning and alongside the message about defining Trump, but, you know, talking about how he, his camp, his presidency is going to be about retribution and revenge. That campaign, the Biden campaign is also doing a lot of outreach now with black voters about how their vote mattered, how, how economic standing among African Americans is improving that the, uh, the wealth gap is less than ever. That black unemployment is lower than ever. So you could so you know, you're going to have to make uh, you have to make a really convincing economic argument with these voters that have moved away from Biden to get them back in 20.
4: We'll see as yeah. the year goes on whether those grocery prices go down. The grocery bill is is just the sticky thing that people notice. I'm paying more for eggs today than I was a year ago. Does that go down? Do people start to settle into whatever the new cost structure is and start to look differently at the economy? And potentially differently at the presidential race. Um, Governor Kasich, Jen Palmieri, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much. Coming up, Nikki Haley's popularity among independents could be a problem for Donald Trump in New Hampshire, as we've been discussing. Where else is it an issue? Plus, NBC News just dropped the final Des Moines Register poll ahead of Monday's caucus why the race between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis could be much tighter than it looks.
6: Get the best of MSNBC, all in one place every day, each morning in your inbox, with the MSNBC Daily newsletter. Understand today's news. Sign up for MSNBC Daily at MSNBC.com.
4: A majority of voters may say they are all in for Donald Trump, but what about voters in New Hampshire? The states, Iowa and New Hampshire, share almost nothing in common save their early decision status. And while Iowa voters proclaim loyalty, New Hampshire voters are fiercely independent. Exactly the kind of demographic Nikki Haley has so far excelled with. So what sort of finish does she need in Iowa to push her through New Hampshire and then beyond. And if she does well enough, what does Ron DeSantis do? As of now, the Florida governor says he's headed south after Iowa, away from New Hampshire. Joining us now from Manchester is NBC News correspondent Shaquille Brewster. Manchester, New Hampshire, that is. So Shaq, what are you hearing from folks there?
10: Hi there, Katie. Well, you know, I'm hearing something that is sometimes a little bit hard for New Hampshire voters and elected officials to admit, and it's what happens in Iowa will determine, will influence how voters here in New Hampshire view these candidates, especially those candidates who are not named Donald Trump. What you continue to hear is that an overperformance by Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis in Iowa could help establish and help coalesce that energy, that anti-Trump sentiment and the independent support that folks have here in New Hampshire and could help influence them and set those candidates as a clear second place, a clear contender for against the former president. And, you know, earlier this week when we saw a former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, suspend his campaign, one of the things that you continued to hear and an assumption that was being made is that most of his support will go to Nikki Haley. But when I was at his event, when he suspended and talked to some of his supporters, that assumption was tested. Listen here. What do you plan to do now? Who gets your support? That's
5: a
0: great question.
6: Not the former president, but I haven't decided
10: who, because I haven't listened to anybody else. You were a big supporter of Governor yeah, Chris Christie. very big. What do you do now? I have no idea. I, I haven't had time to really think about it, and right now, I don't see anywhere to go. Nikki Haley had clear momentum in this state going into last week. You look at polling, you look at the endorsement that she has from the Republican governor here. But what happens in Iowa could help blunt that or continue and build upon that momentum that we saw, Katie?
4: I love that Iowa is getting in the spirit with the red and uh, blue lights on the trees behind you. I will see, not Iowa, New Hampshire. I will see you in New Hampshire, (laughs) Shaq, on Monday and Tuesday. Traveling up there for the show. Coming up next, how to pick the battle against. Trump, or in other words, what Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis should be doing. How do you beat Donald Trump? Joe Biden and the Democrats think they have the answer and the strategy to do it. But what about Republicans? If an insider wants to take on Donald Trump as Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and others in the GOP primary field are attempting, what's the best way past him So far, the winning plays are proving elusive, at least we expect them to be. Is it just because the clearest strategy is the riskiest? As our Chuck Todd puts it in his latest analysis, what's plainly obvious is that neither the former U.N. ambassador nor the Florida governor has the guts to say Trump's first term and his leadership were failures. Joining us now, NBC News Chief Political Analyst, the man behind those words, Chuck Todd. Chuck, it's really good to have you. Not an election year unless we have conversations, so I'm glad you're you're on with us. Of course. Um, I want to ask about the strategy and and what you just wrote there. Mm -hmm. Why aren't they not saying in plain terms that Donald Trump wasn't good for the country and that they'd be better?
6: Well, it's because they look at all of those voters that currently support Donald Trump uh, and they are afraid of alienating those voters. They're afraid of, I think more importantly, alienating conservative media, who, of course, conservative media is afraid to talk about an alternative to Trump for alienating Trump supporters. It seems a bit circular, right, as you start talking it through. But what I would argue is that they have this hasn't been tried, right? There has been this mythology that you can separate Trump from Trump's voters by just doing the character hits. And that's really all DeSantis and Haley have done, the character hits. But for many, and Katie, you know this better than most, you covered um, the, the beginning of this movement. For many, the character flaws were uh, a feature, not a bug. So you, you, you've gotta make a stronger case. I was listening to a terrific, uh, the, the folks at the Bulwark did a focus group of Republicans in Iowa. Um, and I was listening to one of their podcasts where they were analyzing it, and w- some of the criticism that these Trump supporters were giving to DeSantis was really, a, boy, he didn't really fight back. Well, he isn't, you know, only in the last couple of weeks have I seen Ron DeSantis actually start to make a case that Donald Trump wasn't good at this. You know, he did not do a good job as president. And I don't think it's an accident that it looks like DeSantis at least finally has found at least his rhetorical footing. He did a much better job, for instance, in that debate against Nikki Haley the other night. Well, I
4: mean, take Iowa, for example. When you're talking about how Donald Trump was for the state of Iowa, for farmers in particular, he promised to make their lives better. He promised uh, to get money back for them. But the trade war with China backfired on Iowa. He ended up having to give a bailout to Iowa farmers. Why have we not heard more of that from the candidates in the state of Iowa?
6: Well, it's a great question. Look, I'll take take the issue of immigration. I think they do a terrible job of hitting him on immigration. They could both be attacking Biden and Trump over immigration. Look, the pro- the reason we have this problem now is because of Trump's policies, right? He did. They they created sort of artificial uh, means to sh- using the pandemic to to sort of to shut down the border in a way that you just couldn't constitutionally do it unless there was this. Uh, unless we had this health issue. And so but what they did is they essentially proverbially just put a kink in the hose. But they didn't work to actually fix the problem. They didn't work to change any of the all of the things that Republicans are now arguing for. So my point is they should be making a case that Donald Trump failed at the border. Not only did he not build his wall, Donald Trump failed in his tra- trade war. Uh, you, you know, I understand they're they're afraid that they're going to alienate his voters. You actually could win his voters back if you make a compelling case that he's lying to them about his successes. They were they were failures, what he tried to do. You could say his heart was in the right place if you believe that that was what needed to be done. But I think Nikki Haley and and Ron DeSantis have not both. Look what Nikki Haley says. Well, he was the right person at the right time. Well, then why are you running against him? I think you automatically actually start to send the message that you're like, no, 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 no. I just don't like him. Um, It's not good enough for most voters.
4: I don't have much time left, so I'll try to make this short. Von Hilliard spoke to some Republican Mm -hmm. voters who said they were afraid to tell their friends that they were not supporting Donald Trump any longer. I wonder if we might see more of that, more people going into the polling booth and pulling the lever for somebody Mm -hmm. else because they're afraid to tell their friends and loved ones and be public about their dissatisfaction with Trump.
6: But guess what? The caucus is a pretty public process. You know, it's a little more public here, but maybe we'll see that in, in... in uh, in a New Hampshire or South Carolina.
4: It's the opposite of what we saw in 2015 and 2016 when they weren't telling pollsters that they liked Donald Trump because they were embarrassed. But in the privacy of the the booth, they they went in and pulled the lever for him. Chuck Todd, good to have you. Um, Stay uh, warm out there, or try to at least. Uh, And that's going to do it for me. Be sure to keep listening to the How to Win 2024 podcast with Claire McCaskill and Jennifer Palmieri. They have more on the Iowa caucus in their latest episode. Scan the QR code. Hurry up and do it now. On our screen to listen. And stay with MSNBC for our continuing coverage of Iowa. Go out and vote. And thanks for watching.
0: When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.